0: Now on documentary on News Talk, I'm Laura Donnelly and I travelled to the Horn of Africa to document what happens when rain fails.
1: Probably, if it would have not rained, they would have lost all the animals. Probably, even themselves would have died.
0: Richard is a farmer based in Turkana in northern Kenya and his fear is replicated among many others across the country. In Kenya, Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudan and South Sudan, 23 million people are in need of humanitarian support and aid agencies estimate one person is dying from hunger every 48 seconds. It hasn't rained here since 2019. There's been four failed rainy seasons and there are fears of a fifth in October. The effects are devastating. There are animal carcasses lying on roadsides, children suffering from malnutrition as families have lost their source of income and food, and children drop out of school because the family can't afford it. In Kenya alone, 1.2 million animals have died in the past 18 months. Let's go back to Richard, a pastoralist farmer and father of 15. Through a translator, he says he's struggling with the loss of his animals and the cost of maize for his family to eat.
1: Yeah, he's saying a 50 kg last year uh, uh, cost 1,600 but currently it is 3,500, so that's a very high increase. He had 146 animals, that is goats and sheep, and uh, he lost, in the out, out of that, out of 146, he had 60 sheep, so all the 60 sheep are uh, wiped out by drought, He now, and some goats, so he has left with 38. The animals uh, started uh, dying from September last year up to March this year. He was born and found a father uh, as a pastorist, So when the father died, so he remained home doing
2: pastoralism.
1: Out of all these years, this one, this, the last year drought that started last year is the worst years he can mention, and... Uh, and uh, probably, if it would have not rained, that the the, the two days rainfall that happened, they would have uh, it, it would, they would have lost all the animals. Probably, even themselves would have died.
2: The two
1: the two wives do charcoal burning, so sometimes they can sell and get money, and uh, uh, some of them were enrolled into the cash transfer uh, programs the Red Cross and the Concern uh, cash transfer programs, they were receiving 5,000. And that one uh, helped their w- his wives to to start buying unga, that's maize meal, when uh, they start selling to the co- communities around. But now even that one has failed, has failed because of the current hike in pricing.
2: How did you feel when your animals started
1: dying, he, he felt like he's becoming crazy, and uh, even uh, okay, even uh, stopped sleeping sometimes at night, and start started worrying about the how the life uh, will will happen, will continue, and some of his children even uh, came from school due to school fees because before that he could he sell some goats to pay for school fees. So he had a lot of worries, he was not comfortable. For him, uh, he thought he's the only one affected, but uh, organizations, humanitarian organizations here started coming and uh, uh, talking to them about drought situation. And uh, even uh, supported them in uh, through cash transfer. And also did some 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 organizations uh, supported the account to do fax- vaccination. And some of them were taught how to do uh, kitchen garden. So, and uh, out of that, he came to know that many of them were affected. He thought he's the only one. When he trains, the first thing he does is to thank God for the rain. And uh, the next thing that comes to his mind is that uh, the animals will start becoming healthy, uh, will give birth to many kids. Before vaccination, animals at that time there were many animals that were dying and after vaccination he he, he was able to save uh, his animals and uh, <clears throat> although now they, it's like they have, the animals have started coughing again could be it's, we, they need another vaccination his father left him with the very many animals 800 the, the animals came to 500 they came to 300 and, uh, and 12 in 2019 in 2020, when the loka started, the animals came to 100 and something. Now it is 38, so he's just imagining in the next few years you'll not even have one. So if he was in a capacity to change his life's uh, livelihood and do other things, uh, he would do that.
0: Arang is a father of six. He's lost the majority of his goats to the drought and says it's having a huge impact on his family.
1: He has three wives, and each wife has two children. All of them are enrolled in the nutrition program. For him, he, if it doesn't rain, then he will know their livelihoods will be washed, and uh, he, because that is what they—they they, they only look uh, on these livestock. And uh, if it will not rain, it means they will be wiped; all of them will die. Probably because of drought, and uh, they will lose their life. They will lose their livelihood. So he's just worried about the future. He's not prepared in any way, and uh, he's just here. If rains come, it's fine. If it doesn't come, it's fine. He will just graze here. Even if the animals will die, it's fine. All food prices have gone up, and uh, even fuel, because some of them have motorbikes around. Even getting fuel is a challenge. Some of uh, these guys seated here, they have stayed hungry for three days. So you can. There is nothing you will say it's low. So everything is going to happen, Hi, and uh, even accessing food is a challenge. They usually say they usually celebrate and uh, say thank you to God because usually here uh, you can miss even rain for two years, and when now rain comes, they feel so happy. Their biggest concern is is about access to food not even all this because for them now accessing income is nearly zero for them and now accessing again food is becoming a challenge so their biggest worry is about food how can they feed themselves they are just here they even 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 the political politicians don't come to visit them so they are worried where where they will they will get food so their, their biggest worry is about food to access food He was born on a time where there were many NGOs around and uh, they were providing food like Oxfam. Uh, every month they were given food, so they grew knowing that you can be given food. But si- since uh, those organizations went, so they, even uh, even accessing food has become a challenge. They usually eat maize. Uh, they usually eat maize and uh, sometimes he goes and gets firewood. Then he sells firewood to someone. Although even accessing market firewood here is a challenge because everyone is can access firewood, and they usually access food once in a day, or sometimes they can even miss, and that's why uh, his his children are malnourished because sometimes they miss they miss food. No, there's no no vegetables around.
0: Across the region, 5 million children are malnourished and there are fears 350,000 of those could die. At the Sasame Dispensary in Turkana, there's a clinic for malnourished children. Women have walked here for hours, often with more than one child, in 35 degree heat. Patrick Locatela is a health and nutrition officer with concern. He tells me how the process works, beginning with measuring a child's mid-upper arm circumference.
3: So within the mark, uh, the, the, the mid hapa uh, circumference, if, that, um, uh, if the child falls uh, at the red uh, color code, then that child is being identified as uh, severe, uh, severely malnourished. So the child is referred to the correct program for treatment. So if, um, if the healthcare worker uh, detects that uh, uh, the color code for this child is yellow, with the, that more, then the child is um, diagnosed as moderately malnourished, and the child is referred to the uh, supplementary feeding program for for treatment. So in that case, now the child is being after after you identified them with that, then they are being documented uh, within in the register. Okay, so they are being admitted, they are given, they are issued with the nutrition commodities for treatment. For severely acute malnutrition, actually, is being done on a weekly basis. For the moderate one, they are given uh, a follow-up of two of two weeks, so that they are again uh, they come to the facility for that uh, follow-ups visit. Yeah, for severely acute malnutrition, we normally give them the ready-to-use therapeutic uh, foods. That is RETF. Uh, For the moderate acute malnutrition, we give uh, we dispense them with um, uh, uh, what is called the ready to use supplementary foods RUSF yeah the pelampinat is for severe.
0: family planning is an interesting matter here I asked the nutritionists at the clinic if they ever advise people not to continue expanding their family when they're living in such a crisis situation we do
4: we do
3: we do and in fact, that is one of the things the health, all health facilities uh, they normally uh, they encourage to disseminate those key messages. But the barriers here is now on the men. So the men actually in the, at this community they don't want family planning because one of the things that we I I came to note is that they believe that uh, maybe their women are doing something behind their backs, you know. So. That is the reason they are taking the family. So they don't want family planning. So uh, one of the methods that we normally try to encourage is the natural natural way of family planning, okay? And the natural way is whereby we are, you are counting your your periods. They're they are always given with the beads. So the women actually track which particular days are they within the safe zone. So that's when they are now, you know. That's one of the methods. But these ones, the injections and all that, actually, they always have resistance from men.
0: Another thing I found really interesting in many of my interviews in Turkana: people don't know their children's ages. They often don't know their own age. One woman told me her husband died. I asked when did that happen. She said she didn't know. She just said a long time ago. I asked, how long did it take you to get to the clinic here today? They don't know. They just walk until they get there. In trying to answer me, they describe their children by their size or their order of birth. Others use events such as elections or COVID as markers, saying this one was born during coronavirus. Here's Engwat telling me about two of her four children at the clinic with her.
3: This is the third one. This is the fourth. So the first one... uh... Just giving in terms of a estimate, I don't know. <laughs> Four children. So the so basically, we are using the calendar of events to estimate the age of this child. So when uh, when we are doing when the country was doing elections, this guy was not uh, born. So roughly, uh, after the election, that is twenty nineteen. So up to now, roughly twenty eighteen. 20 yeah around four years. Four years, yeah. Corona Corona, Nabun 2020.
5: Mm.
0: Engwat's husband's animals have died, so she tries to sell charcoal to make money. She's struggling with the rapid increase in the price of maize and as a result of all of these factors her children are malnourished.
3: That is uh, like one meal in a day and sometimes they always also uh, skip meals for a number of days. She feels bad for that. That is why she's uh, every day going to for charcoal and also gathering the wild fruits around just for the sake of uh, children. So for the price of maize, the 500 uh, grams, currently they are selling it at uh, 100 shillings. But uh, in the last two years, they used to buy that uh, at fifty shillings. So, but currently, is retailing at uh, hundred shillings. So, for us, she's saying there is nothing she hoping for because the animals uh, that she had, that is what she would have hoped something for the future. But for now, she has uh, nothing to hope for.
0: Ekal is here with her son at tour. Three of her eight children are enrolled in the nutrition programme. All of her livestock have died and now she says she fears people will die.
1: If rain will not come or the government not support people, does not support people, then of course there's no future if this situation continues like this. The son has been sick and uh, diarrhea rearing high problem, vomiting. So prob- according to what it could even be because of anger, that's what she's saying. She has an household of 11 people, eight children, four girls, four boys. He has, an, he has, a, he has a husband and also with the mother to uh, the, her husband. She's one of the people who lost also livestock, that's what she saying. There had uh, many livestock, but uh, due to persistent drought, so livestock have been dying, dying, and now she has remained with six goats. Uh, for now, you cannot even sell. But majorly, they they, they depend on well wishes, uh, burning charcoal. Uh, sometimes she goes and and cleans utensils in someone's place, gets some income. Yeah, but animals don't really support them. She brings him here uh, frequently because she's sickly. He's sickly. The boy is sickly. And uh, when he, she brings the boy here, at least uh, she he gets the medication and also. Supported the uh, with the with the CSB, so at least for her, this health facility has uh, has helped them. Mostly they skip meals, and uh, she burns charcoal. That's majorly what they are doing. That's the source of income, at the household, and uh, w- sometimes they get to well-wishers, those the friends, to support them. That is, that is how they survive. There is no specific source of income. Life was better then because there was rain, uh, wild fruits were available, and uh, everyone had livestock. But now, getting rain is a problem, and accessing food is a challenge. There's a drought which, according to us, is entire Turkana. And uh, there are two things that are extreme, that is uh, drought uh, and, and lack of water. And in, uh, in our village, there are three things that are critical and that uh, everyone is experiencing. That is uh, hunger because uh, there's no food and uh, people uh, depend on well-wishers. Every time when they see an organization or uh, an organization vehicle passing by, they think they are coming to support them. And uh, every time, many people in our village are sickly and they appreciate for this health, uh, health facility being here because uh, even the the, the staffs uh, in this health facility support them even at night. And uh, she's also noting that uh, they take uh, uh, water from undergwells and uh, these undergwells are shallow. It means even the wild dogs or dogs or anything drink water from there and that could be the reason why most of them are sick. And uh, some of them were enrolled in the HSNP, Anger Acceptance Program, but now that money stays for many months before coming. When uh, the money uh, comes, you've already taken a lot of credit from uh, the, uh, You have a lot of debts, so you clear debts for food. and that long run again, you start uh, uh, getting again uh, things on credit. So uh, she's saying that life is difficult. The way she's experiencing is the way other people are experiencing the village.
0: Concern is now calling for urgent international funding to help the communities in the Horn of Africa experiencing the worst drought in 40 years in the hope of preventing a major humanitarian crisis later this year. During the drought of 2011 in the region, 13 million people needed humanitarian support in a famine which resulted in 260,000 deaths in Somalia alone. Concerns Regional Director for the Horn of Africa, Amina Abdullah, is warning there are 17 million people in need of humanitarian support in Kenya, Somalia and Ethiopia now, and this figure could rise to 20 million by September. 500,000 people are now at risk of famine in the region. Here in Turkana, it's top of the list in Kenya for needing humanitarian support, with 40% of its population in need of help. Beldin Atiano, a senior manager with Concern Kenya, says a number of factors have led the region to this perfect storm.
2: For these communities, uh, they've been facing a number of crises in the last, uh, we can say, three or four years. So in uh, 2019, going into 2020, Uh, they were faced by locust infestation so they lost a lot of vegetation cover to locust and then uh, after that immediately after that we had the COVID-19 pandemic which also has had serious effect on uh, their ability to to sell their livestock and get good prices because at the the country level we were under a lockdown so there was limited economic activity then um, after the and during this period also we faced uh, four consecutive failed rain seasons and the fourth one was just recently march april may of 2022 so we are saying since um we can say since end of 2019 up until now it hasn't rained uh, around this region so it means they haven't fetched good prices for their livestock they have lost uh, their livestock and then they also rely on food from other parts of the country, such as uh, maize, which is a staple food across the country. The prices have been going high every, uh, every so often. Um, and then we now also have the Ukraine, uh, crisis, uh, which is affecting, uh, our agricultural sector in Kenya, uh, because the price of fertilizers has gone up. We were relying on fertilizers from Russia and, uh, and Ukraine, um, wheat from Russia and Ukraine. So those are some of the factors that, uh, have made this situation to be so bad. And in addition to that, there's also, a resource-based conflict. So as uh, the rains fail, water and pasture uh, diminish, and then the communities uh, fight over it. So that's also another additional factor that makes the situation so bad. Everything has come at once. Uh, it's from one disaster to the next. So locust, then the pandemic, and then now drought and also of course with the drought there's also conflict. So it's a, it's a mix, messy mixture of so many things. For an average family, I think especially for the women, uh, they have a higher burden uh, because they are left behind uh, with children. If there are any sickly uh, relatives, uh, they're left behind with those relatives. And uh, if there are any weak animals also, women are left behind uh, to take care of them and taking care of them means ensuring that the children have something to eat, ensuring that they have water to drink and also feeding these uh, weak animals ensuring that they have water and something to drink. So it's a really high workload for women and girls. And then for the men, they have to walk uh, long distances in search of water and pasture and uh, they're also exposed to conflict because uh, the conflict mainly happens um, around the areas where we have water and fallback grazing zones so uh, men are also vulnerable to conflict so they might lose their lives while they're searching for pasture. So a conflict will be for example um, in some of these areas you find that the community have a system of managing uh, the natural resources that they have, such as pasture. So once it rains, they just graze around their village. But as things get worse, uh, they have uh, some zones that have been left out for dry season. So everyone is going to that area. So it becomes now a bit difficult to agree on how they are going to share that limited grass that is remaining or even the limited water that is remaining. So you'll find maybe uh, herders from one community want to access Others from a different community also want to access. So if they do not agree on how they're going to share those minimal resources, then uh, what results is conflict. Yeah, so you find that uh, they begin to fight and in the process they lose their livestock as well as uh, their lives.
0: Turkana is in the northern part of Kenya and now I've come down to Tana River County in the south. The mood here is a world away from Turkana. Communities are rallying together to develop ways to sustain themselves from the drought. I visited the National Drought Management Agency. I also visited farmers who, through an irrigation system, are taking water from the Tana River to their crops. These farmers have also adapted to the situation because they've moved from being pastoralists, that's livestock farmers, to crop farmers. As I stand beside fields of maize and watermelons, Simeon Mabiti Siri, who's a ward agriculture officer with the county government, tells me how the Tana River irrigation system works for these farmers.
6: It takes water from uh, a distance of 50 kilometres away from where we are. So it's a very, very long distance. And uh, uh, they, they, they proposed for a gravity system, but for now they're pumping using a fuel, diesel fuel from the pumping station. It's 50 kilometers, so we have a canal running all the way from where the river is coming to where we are. From the main canals, we have water operators. We have uh, mini-dams in the scheme so that they can control and manage the water. From uh, Coming from uh, the main canal, they can store the water in the dam so that when the main canal doesn't have a lot of water. The dams can supply these waters. So when the water operators open those the open those gates, it comes in by gravity. But mainly from the main canal, from the main canal, uh, from the river to the main canal, they're pumping using diesel. But when it comes to the to the scheme, uh, just the gravity system works. And uh, the, the the farms are well uh, levelled. We have the canals well operated. Everything has been done well. They've been doing desilting each and every time. When a farm is uh, is opened like this, they come, they clear the the canals, they do desilting so that the water can flow in. So as if you can see, the water is just running on its own. It's a gravity system being used around this place. So water is there. We have a lot of challenges uh, due to, to the water management system, but uh, it comes to here and we're grateful for that. We've been seeing a lot of other farmers coming in, asking questions. How will they come in? How can they do it? Is it possible? So they've shown a possibility, which means uh, the others too, seen that it's really possible, it's useless to leave the farms uh, being occupied by these prosobis, and they can still treat their land and also be successful like the others. It's a success to me because when the farmers are happy, I'm also happy. The the county government is also happy, and Kenya is also happy because they get something, because if they they are unemployed somewhere, you see there are a lot of people being employed now because the tractor comes in, the tractor from a private uh, person, so the private person gets some money. We have planting, they plant their farms, but during weeding, they employ some casual laborers, they weed in harvesting. We have a a, a truck there, loading watermelons. The people who are loading the melons have been employed on a casual basis. It's better to us, it's better to the people.
0: Some of those newly adopted crop farmers in the area showed me around their farms. It's really fascinating to see maize blowing in the breeze and piles of watermelons being harvested and while the drought rages on, these farmers are doing all they can to keep going.
4: They have been able to witness food security, that when it's so dry and uh, in other areas, they're able to have food at the table because they are practicing farming, even though not on a large scale, but there is food uh, all year round. Because of the irrigation around, they don't rely so much on rain to, to produce their produce. So they are not hard hit like uh, places where... They are not organized to do irrigation farming. CONCERN has supported them with certified hybrid seeds because they are used to growing local uh, seeds which are not so high-yielding. So they've gotten support of uh, having hybrid certified seeds, faster maturing, drought-resistant and high-yielding. He's saying they have grown green grams, the mangoes, they have grown maize, they have even grown tomatoes. As a result of the trainings they have received...
0: I'm on my way to a village called Buaruko to hear about how the people there have adapted. Along the roadside on the way, I saw 45 animal carcasses. The effects of the drought have led to 1.2 million animals dying in Kenya in the past 18 months. In neighboring Somalia, where animals provide 80% of the country's income, 30% of its livestock have died in the drought. In Ethiopia, 8 million people rely on livestock, but 2 million animals have died so far and another 22 million are at risk of dying. These cattle here were near a water pan, a man-made reservoir which animals often walk up to 15 to 20 kilometres to reach. It's empty of water and has been since at least last year. Yvonne Uma, health and nutrition officer with Concern, explains why people build water pans like this. They are normally constructed in the, region, in the regions, the dry regions where the rainfall is not enough,
2: by the government and also other non-governmental organizations. So normally it's dug using a scaveter. So when it rains, the water fills up up above the trees and even at times overflows. So communities have water to use for four to five months to the next rainfall. When the rainfall is, is not enough, it can fill up to that 40%, so that can take them like a month
0: or so. One community in Tana River County was struggling using water from the river and they've adapted even further. Bonface Makosi, livelihoods officer at Concern, tells me what's happening here in Buaruko.
4: So this is uh, Bua Ruko village. And historically, they are and they as, he, as the chairman told us, there are four communities living here. So their life, way of life has been that they fetch water to the nearby, to the river, Tivatana, that is about uh, three or four kilometers. They used to uh, fetch water for household use and even for their livestock from the river. So the whole community was relying on the river. And uh, as you have witnessed, there were some challenges in uh, getting the water Was literally you have to bend at the river bank and fetch the water there was no any other mechanism of drawing the water from the river which was even posing a a risk to some of them they've had uh, crocodile attacks but they didn't have an option now uh, the chairman has told us that some years back around 2010 and they dug up a, a well for them so the well was uh, equipped with a solar panel and it was able to pump water from the well to a cemented a concrete uh, tank of about 10,000 litres which was erected at the school nearby. So now that became uh, the other source of water. So there was a lot of uh, crowding, a lot of clashes and uh, disputes at the river source and a lot of queuing in the whole village. So that they've lived like that from uh, 2010 until recently, when we and concern got uh, got funds to run an emergency project. This area was identified by the county government Department of Water as a hard to reach area, and an area which uh, which we can come and support the communities. So we came in with funds from BHA, and uh, with our engineer who is based in Nairobi, we're able to do water testing to see the volumes of water in the well, and if it can last uh, for long without drying up. So we came here and uh, did the tests. For 48 hours, there was water testing from the well, which is literally drawing water uh, by a machine, and seeing at what level will it uh, run out of the well. But it turned out that the water does not run out. The well has a lot bigger volume of water. So we set up a system. We put up uh, new solar panels that are now bigger in size and uh, a bigger submersible pump, which now uh, pumps the water to this uh, bigger tank in the community. This is, I think, about uh, 500,000 liters tank, which is uh, erected here. So we also saw the need of having a water kiosk where they can come and draw water as opposed to going to the school which was causing a disturbance to those children who are who in the school. Spam from the well to the tank, then the tank to the water kiosk. And then there's also another uh, fleet of pipes that takes the water to the nearby health centre.
0: And how many people are using this kiosk?
4: The This community is, uh, has a high population. Just in estimation, this could be about 500 households.
0: Community chairman, Mohamed Abdil says it's changed their lives.
5: The previous years, we used to fetch water from risky water points of the river Tana. I wish you could witness with your eyes, but I don't see him here. One of us was already cut his hand by a crocodile at the river. years back. The river was just close to us, but it diverted its course to over five kilometers. This was a very problem to us. Some of the people who had blankets were fetching water with blankets, while those needy and elderly were fetching their water with their backs. In 2010, CRS, Cattle Reef Services, has contracted for us some shallow wells. Four kilometers away from here, it was a big well for us. Later on, they provided a, a little uh, submersive pump, which pumped the water from the source to school level. But uh, the ferrocement tank, which was at the school, was only 10,000 liters, and it was not sufficient for the community to get everyone water from that place. This contemplated some clashes between the communities because everyone everyone wanted to fetch the water, but the water was not sufficient. This caused some of the mothers to go and collide there and uh, brought some tension in the village. We tried to manage the problem and uh, some of them cut the, the wires of the water because some of them were feeling as if the water was owned by some of the people. This caused some problem, but we managed to solve the problem. We really appreciate the concern worldwide, of which they added the Masamansifam, they installed the mas- farm, some more solar panels, which they also installed for us this uh, tank and this uh, water kiosk. They also took the water to the dispensary level, and some of the households which were able to take the water to their household level, they have their taps in front of their houses, which we were not thinking as if in this world, rocker people will have their taps at their hou- housing level. While three to four households have showers at their house.
0: However, they are still suffering due to the failed rainy seasons. Our chambers or farms
5: are along the river river bank. We usually depend on those river bank water during the rainy season to plant our crops. Maize, uh, green grams, bananas and so on. But due to this uh, change of climate all the all the bananas which were there has been washed out. We only depend on if the season becomes good, we usually grow our crops there. And uh, we have not received the raise for two seasons. This caused a lot of problems to us. I wish on your way to this place, you saw some carcass of the animals which were out the way. Those are some of the, our animals which have been, we migrated to that side. It had some little uh, grasses there and it caused some diseases and uh, due to the uh, ongoing drought some of the animals have died there
0: both bonface and mohammed touched on the story of the man who lost his arm to a crocodile simply bending down to take water from the tana river in his bucket mohammed dame taluke with the help of villagers translating tells me what happened
5: this, this, this is the guy who, whose hand was uh, was eaten by a crocodile he just uh, kneeled at
0: the river and
5: wanted to fetch water. The throat jumped at him and uh, caught his hand. And he took him to the river, inside the river. And some distance in the river, he, took, he just took him, in the, some sand in the river. And uh, he said that he just put his finger in, in his eyes and he, he released and he went away. While the hand was out, out of the, in, in the mouth. It was in the river, so he was not seeing what was going on. He, just, he was just feeling the pain. He was not frightened because this thing was in the river. Before him, there was a girl who was taken by the river, by the crocodile, and it was not seen again.
0: Have
5: you been back to the river since? <laughs> yes, he was there, but I have not entered the river. I was just distancing. Uh, He was taken to Garissa General Hospital. Yeah, very, very sick for a long time. By that time, he was not married, but now he has a lot of children. He said that his right hand, that he was used to cultivate his shamba, but he is unable to cultivate shamba, Uh, the farms, farms, yeah, shrubs in the farm.
0: Amina Dini Abdalai lives in Buaroko. She says her younger children are much healthier than her older children due to the move from river water to well water. She's happy their water situation has stabilised, but she's now struggling with the cost of living.
4: Her household is of 11 uh, people. And uh, she says at uh, the moment she's, she's fine, she's thankful to God she's okay. Her biggest challenge is uh, the cost of uh, foodstuffs. She says uh, a bag of flour, one kg is 150 shillings, which is so high for them. Cost of cooking oil, a liter is going at 450 shillings at the moment. So she says the cost of uh, living is high and it's beyond reach for most of them. It used to be 250 for the oil, but right now it's going at 4 450. <laughs> She says, but now with water, she's so grateful that the water is just nearby. She can even send her own children to go and uh, fetch water and bring to the house for use. So she says they're having a good time with water issues. The only challenge is the cost of living and the cost of uh, basic food commodities. In her childhood, during uh, her grandfather's times and her father's times, there was plenty People were growing uh, bananas, maize, and even veggies along the river. They were they were having enough uh, livestock for their families. She says she never used to go to the shop when she was young because uh, the only thing they could buy from the shops was sugar. But foodstuffs was available because they could grow and they could get milk from their livestock. So she says even right now, the uh, they 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 even having challenge of accessing milk from the livestock that they grow they they keep. So things have changed, and right now it's all about money. Everything you need to have money, not like when she was growing up when uh, there was plenty available for them. She's gone up to primary level. She went to school up to primary level, but she didn't proceed from there. Yeah. So she says is uh, her first uh, child has gone up to secondary level. He has done the secondary level exams, but she's unable to take her or him to tertiary education because of lack of fees. But she has made effort that all her kids are in school. Yeah, Her, her desire is that all her kids will go through education so that in future, when she's uh, old, the kids can take care of her. Because life has become unbearable and uh, she would wish the kids to go to school and uh, come and help her later. Seven children, uh, the kids she got when uh, they used to go to the river to fetch water, she used to involve them. So they are well aware of uh, the journey to the river, the fetching of water. She used to involve them, the colour, they used to carry water with her and help her when uh, uh, having a donkey cart to go and ferry wa- uh, fetch water from the river. So they are well conversant with the situation at that time. But the last one, I think, the youngest uh, child she has, is not even aware how the river looks like. When when she or he goes to the river, she thinks this is uh, a flow of juice that is flowing. Eh? So she's not exposed to that kind of life that they used to have uh, before. So she says definitely is a big change. The, before, her kids were so exposed to infections and also the hot sun, because she used to carry with them at the back going to the river. And uh, they will, they used to fall sick oftenly. But right now, they have a, a health facility just around. The kids she has had at this moment are healthier. They are, they are not so much uh, having infections like those in the past. So she says definitely there's a change. Uh, she has just witnessed a, a turnaround of events. It's Tana River still. Tana River. It stretches the whole county all the way to the ocean.
0: Spirits are not as low here in Tana River County. In Turkana, people spoke of having no hope, and I asked Beldeen about the stark differences between the two areas.
2: So Tana River is currently in uh, IPC phase 3, so it's a crisis level of uh, food security where we are noticing um high acute malnutrition rates so for example currently in tana river there's uh, 14% of the children are malnourished and uh, that is as a result of the drought and of course uh, limited access to food uh, but i think they are at possibly uh, at a better place compared to uh, their counterparts in uh, turkana county and then currently 40% of the population are in need of uh, humanitarian assistance and it probably could get worse even as uh we are not able to certainly say whether the next rain season is going to work because also a large proportion of this uh, population are pastoralists so there are some that are already engaged in crop farming but i think we can think of the larger population majority are still not yet engaged in the farming along the, the river banks and the irrigation canals so i think that's why there's need for humanitarian assistance there is hope uh, for them. And I think uh, one of the lessons that uh, we are learning is that where uh, access to food is uh, limited by things like high food prices, or if uh, a community is relying on food supplies from other parts of the country, or even from sometimes, for example in Kenya, we import maize from Tanzania. So having these uh, farmers grow their own food. I think that cushions them from high food prices, which are vulnerable even to other global crises. So I think uh, it's a good thing. And I think it's something that we need to uh, encourage governments, uh, development partners, humanitarian workers to support more so that uh, even if things are bad at the macroeconomic level, at country level or globally, the local uh, community has something to fall back on.
0: When Rain Fails was presented by me, Laura Donnelly, edited by Lachlan Hart and made with thanks to concern.